0: If you find you're in that position of wasting your life, I would invite you to consider the words of Jesus. Follow me. Oh.
1: Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike.
0: to Peter. If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you you follow me? Wow. Man, what a rebuke for trying to figure out what somebody else is supposed to be doing for God. Whoa. Why is that? Because God has you doing what he wants you to do. Well, Mike, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, I appreciate that honesty. The first thing the Bible says, to know God's will, give thanks in all things, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. The will of God, first of all, is for us to be thankful. What happens in thankfulness? We take inventory. Lord, thank you that I have a car that runs. Thank you that I have hands. Thank you that I have a place to live. Thank you that I have a car that I can drive to church in and bring my friends. And we begin to take inventory of what we have. And we then realize, God, I've got a lot of things that you have blessed me with that I in turn can bless somebody else with. That's the way God works. But if we're not thankful for what we have, we'll never be thankful for what we get because we refuse to recognize the blessing of God in our life. So therefore, I have to look at somebody else to see what God is doing in their life that somehow I can transpose the calling, the anointing of God, what they have in my life. I can go around trying to be a soul sucker. (laughs) There's actually churches that teach that. Go lay on the grave of a past evangelist and suck their soul. That's a really demonic necromancy is what that's called, but well, that's another whole topic. The point is, what God has for you to do can be found by going and setting on your daddy's lap. I love that. Oh, religion gets so gooey, isn't it? You know, that's all that stuff you do to impress God. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. All those things we do. God just wants to have that father-child relationship with you. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. O oh, far out, Obawan Ben Kenobi, please heareth thy my prayer. And you always got to pray in 16th century, King James English, because that impresses God. Oh, thou thoth, dost thou not knoweth? And you also need to use words that you don't really even understand. Dost thou not knoweth that I thee beseech thee, O God? And I can just see our Heavenly Father look at us going, What's wrong with you? Don't you know? I just want you to come and sit on my lap and let's talk, and I'll tell you what I want you to do. I love that. See, religion always complicates a personal relationship with your father. Our father, our daddy in heaven. See, when you talk to God, always remember, talk to him as a father that loves you. That's going to help in the way you communicate with him. The second thing is, remember, Paul says, whereby we cry out a father. I mention this almost every sermon. And why is that? Because it's everything religion isn't religion says you got to do something to have this unknowable god recognize you where the bible says through jesus christ we're adopted we've been brought into the family of god and i can cry father now why is that important not like peter well what about this man hey i can go to my daddy And I can say, Father, what do you want me to do? I don't have to try to put his coat. Remember in the Old Testament, Goliath, this big giant of a man, the top of his head was about as high as a a basketball hoop. This was, you know, I mean, he didn't have to run and slam dunk. He could just reach over and drop it in. He didn't have that problem. And we remember that Jesse, David's dad, sent him out to the the battleground. And he says, you send out your warrior, I'll take him on, Goliath yelled, and the winner takes all. And nobody from the camp of Israel would go out. David brought his brothers some figs and some raisins and some grapes, brought him some things to eat and some uh, little pastries. And he heard this giant reviling the, the God of Israel. And he said, well, I'll go out and take him on. Now, you've got to remember, David spent some time on the backside of the wilderness taking care of sheep. Some, uh, some predator would come trying to take a sheep away. And, you know, David didn't have probably a lot to do all day other than pray and thank God for all the things that God is and play with a slingshot. And I've noticed something, if you just play with something for a long time, you get good at it. You ever seen those Rubik's Cubes that you turn and make all the colors line up? I tried one of those things one time, I gave up. And then I turned on TV and I saw this kid, he looked like he was about nine years old. He goes, Oh, let me show you. (laughs) And in about 10 seconds, he had everything figured out. Why? Because he was familiar with what he was doing. David was familiar with a slingshot, but more familiar than the slingshot, he was familiar with the God that he loved. And so we remember, Saul says, well, you can't go out there and fight him the way you are. Here, put on my armor. David was probably somewhere around 14, 15 years old from what we can tell from scripture. Saul, the Bible says, was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a tall guy. And he tried to put the coat of mail, the coat of armor, on David. And David, to go out and meet the giant, had all this weight on him, and he couldn't wear it. So he shucked it off. And by the way, we can't wear somebody else's armor. You've got to do what God tells you to do. David goes over, picks up five smooth stones, goes out and meets the devil and he <laughs> addresses Saul, Goliath for what he was. And we remember sunk a stone right between his eyes and down he came. In fact, David used Goliath's own sword to cut his own head off. <laughs> and so David paraded that around. By the way, I, I suppose for a 14-year-old boy and having be around... Uh, Boys in my life, I I recognize they like gory, weird things. So what does David do? He takes the head of Saul, back with him as a trophy, groovy, and his sword. So anytime you think your kids are getting into weird stuff, Ninja Turtles or whatever, the Bible's got some things in there for you. He couldn't wear somebody else's armor because God called him to do something designed for him. Remember that. Get your inspiration from God. Just go to him and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And God will show you. And you know something? Sometimes the more ridiculous it seems that God tells you, the greater the miracles of God are in your life to see it happen. I look how God is used my friends lives in many different ways i've seen how one of my friends um (laughs) i used to drive up to sun valley with him met him years ago and we were driving up to sun valley and we were doing a bible study up there and i said you know we're going to get killed doing this we're going across the ice at 60 miles an hour as, as uh 20 year old kids will do 25 year old kids will do and we're driving across the ice. And I said, Ray, you killed it. I, he said, I'll tell you what. If I live, I'll do your funeral. And, 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 and if I die, you do mine. I said, okay, we'll, we'll do that, however, however it was. Anyway, told me, I want to go, go back to California. I want to tell my family about the Lord. So he moved back to California, came over to my friend's house. Uh, oh, a couple months later, and he said, sit down. Your friend Paul got killed in an airplane crash. And I said, no. And he goes, yeah. And so being true to what I said, I said, okay, I'll do his funeral. And I remember that, that his father got killed in the airplane crash. His brother-in-law got killed in the airplane crash. And they decided to have all the fu- funeral services at one time because everybody was coming. And I remember at Forest Lawn, there was about 660 people there. And I I remember looking at all these people and I said, well, I'm here today because Paul asked me to be here. that sounded weird being that Paul was dead, but no pun off the album, but Paul asked me to be here. And I said, "Um, uh, uh, you see, he came back here to tell all of you about the Lord and that's what I'm going to tell you. And I, that's the first time I ever did an altar call at a, at a, at a funeral. There were so many people there. That's most people that ever gotten saved whenever I've taught anywhere. There was about 70 people that accepted the Lord. 60 or 70 people accepted the Lord that day. There at Forest Lawn, the three caskets up there. I call it an illustrated sermon. And we were all up there. And his wife comes into my office about six months later. And she said, There was an insurance policy on the plane. It was a rented plane. They didn't change the prop out. There was a recall on it. So I want to tithe off the settlement. And I said, okay. And so she gave me some money. And I said, what do you want me to do with it? She says, I don't know. What what has God told you? And I said, well, you know, Paul and me always talked about, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we had a Christian radio station that wasn't speaking Christianese, but something that that people would listen to. And I said, yeah, that would be really good. So started a radio station. And all of you probably realize, if you don't, it's grown into one of the largest Christian radio networks in the world. Not owned by the New York Stock Exchange. We're not traded on anything. This is just something we do out of a bean field in Idaho with about 450 radio stations. And I thought about that. And as I was reading this, I thought about how do you glorify God in death? And I got to thinking, you know, my friend died. And sometimes when I listen to the radio, it touches my heart because I realize if it hadn't been for him, and if it hadn't been for me going down there, and if it hadn't been that he died and his wife tithed off that, CSN would not exist, And I'm pretty convinced, friends, that nothing great happens without sacrifice. But never be scared of the sacrifice, because God will provide a way for you to do that, whatever it is. And as I look at this, it's always easy to look around and say, well, what about everybody else? What are they doing? Maybe that's what I need to do. You know, if I'm going to be really popular, I need to do this. God just says, you be you in me. I like you see, I, can, I have a daddy in heaven. I don't have a religion with God. I have a relationship with God. And friends, that's what makes the difference. That's where we move from death unto life. And repentance means, are you tired of wasting your life? Wow. That's why Jesus, when he looked at the woman, got an adultery, thrown at Jesus' feet. Law says, we should stone her. What do you say? Jesus writes in the dirt. I don't know what he wrote in the dirt. We'll never know this side of heaven. I know there's a lot of speculation. Maybe the people they had fantasized about. Maybe he wrote down, where is the man? Because according to the Levitical law, you had to bring both. Maybe he wrote, how did you catch her? Were you peeping through the windows? They said they caught her in the very act. And it says, beginning with the oldest first, they all left. And just Jesus and her were there. And he said, where are your accusers? She says, there are none, Lord. He said, go and sin no more stop wasting your life this morning if you find you're in that position of wasting your life i would invite you to consider the words of jesus follow me don't worry about everybody else don't look for your inspiration from others oh i'm not saying that we don't get inspired by listening to christian music whether it's praise music, whether it's hip-hop, whatever it might be, I think we all can be inspired. But God is the one that truly has to motivate us in what he wants us to do. Now notice, to close this morning, this saying went out when he said, what is it to you if he remains till I come. What is that to you? You follow me. This saying went out among the brethren that the the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him, he would not come, he would not, he would not die. But he said, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? Jesus said, look, if I, if I leave John alive till I come back, what's that to you? You follow me. And so Traditionally, as Christians sometimes do, they took what Jesus said, twisted it, and said John wouldn't die uh, until Jesus came back. So John corrects that um, bad teaching right here in his word. The point is simply this. God has a purpose for you. And I am excited to see what God will do in each one of us. Not playing copycat, but saying, God, fresh vision, fresh fire. That's what I need. God, I need that inspiration from you. Not to go around and trying to emulate or copy something that happened 40 years ago, such as the Jesus movement, but God, what do you want to do in my life today? See, the whole idea is that God does something fresh and new in your life. That's what he wants to do for you this morning. And if you've never allowed God to do that in your life, I want to invite you to accept Christ as your Savior. He's going to change your life. He will. The Bible says He promises. All things pass away, behold, all things become new. But the mistake we can make as Christians is to look around and see what God is doing in everybody else's life. God, what do you want to do in my life today? You see, it's a daily walk with God. Something interesting that Jesus, when he prayed, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When he said, when we pray, pray like this. But he said, give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily relationship, a daily renewal of God. I want to be about your business. Let God bless you. I don't have to look at everybody else. You know, it's funny, again, Jesus rebuked Peter pretty hard by trying to figure out what God's purpose was in somebody else's life. I want to be more concerned about God. What do you want to do in my life? But what does that require? Spend time with your Lord. Just go and say, God, I just love to talk to you. Just want you to know that I'm here. I want to be in your perfect will. You open, close the doors. I'm not here begging for things. And by the way, I'm not saying we don't ask God for things because we have a daddy that loves us. But the thing we have to always remember is not my will, yours be done. That's going to give you that alignment that you need. That's going to keep it from getting all junked up with religion. Well, you know, God, we got this deal. You know, I scratch your back and you scratch mine. Well, that's not the way it works. We just go and say, God, you got the best for me. God has the best for you. Let him bless you. Put yourself in the place where God can bless you. You might say, well, where is that? In his lap just go to God, God, call up, say, Lord, you know, there is in the Bible, and we see it not in a verse, but we see it, it's called blessed subtractions. God has a weird way of math. You hear about new math all the time, two and two isn't four anymore, it's some other number. But God's got some weird math too. And his math is this. God subtracts before he multiplies. And you may notice in your life, as you surrender your life totally to him, God will take things out of your life. But what does that do? That gives you a greater ability to contain what God has for your life. So don't try to outguess God. If God takes something out of your life, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a job, or moves you from one place to another place, don't be angry with God because he's done that. Realize that God is doing something in your life. And though I don't understand what he might be doing today, God will see you through. And your blessing that God has blessed you with will bless others. That's what it's about. See, God's looking for vessels he can pour through. Comes down through you into others. I want to be careful that I don't become a Hoover Dam. Comes in, I'm keeping it all. Comes in, I'm keeping it all. God says, No. Recognize the source. This morning, if you're wasting your life, stop it. You're wasting your life. Chasing rainbows that never amount to anything. Trust God. Let God do what he wants to do in your life. God, open the doors of my life, close the doors of my life according to your purpose and plan. You're going to see miracles happen. But we can live on the wrong side of our relationship. We can be a Christian, we can know God loves us, but we can still be doing our own thing and we waste our life. God says, I want your life to mean something throughout all of eternity. I want to reward you forever For following me. I go, well, then I better be about my daddy's business because that's where we put treasure in heaven, where all the things of this world do not corrupt it. Let God bless you this morning. If you're not walking with God the way you should, if this wasting your life has hit you, I just want you to, to consider this this morning. Give it to God. Say, okay, Lord. What I got left is yours. And whether you're 15 or whether you're 95, it doesn't make any difference. What I got left, God, is yours. If you've not prayed and asked the Lord into your life this morning, if you've never asked the Lord into your life, we're going to pray right now and you can do that. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm sorry I've wasted my life. But that ends today because I'm turning what I have left over to you. Make me the best I can be for your kingdom. Inspire me, God, with now fresh life. Open the doors, close the doors according to your will, to get me where you want me to be, to be about your business. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And allow me now to walk in your ways and thank you for eternal life, where someday I'm going to be able to see you face to face and recognize, God, how you kept me all those years And how you never gave up on me. But you always were faithful. Thank you, Daddy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks
1: for joining us on It's Time. As Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.